Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Brad Wilson. And today's guest on the show is the brilliant greatness bomb dropping Anna Marquez. Anna's an online MTT soul-crushing cyborg, former number one ranked poker player in Spain, and has amassed $1.8 million in lifetime live MTT caches. This CPG episode is especially meaningful to yours truly because it's a reminder of why I'm going to do my best to continue making these shows forever. When I started out on my own poker journey in 2004, it was because the prospect of being a professional poker player was the first time in my entire life I had been excited about a career path. It was a shot to my spirit after being asked a bazillion times growing up what I wanted to do with my life and drawing blanks because frankly nothing ever excited me. But back in 2004, the world was not nearly as small as it is today. If being a professional poker player is an obscure profession today, try to imagine how it was 17 years ago. Stumbling across similar folks with a turbocharged passion for playing poker at a high level was something that happened every once in a while, but all in all was a pretty rare event. Because of CPG, I get to connect with similar spirits who light me up like a Wheel of Fortune slot machine on a regular basis, like Matt Berkey, Jason Sue, Kristen Bicknell, Nick Howard, Mark Herm, and today's very special guest, Anna Marquez. These are my people, and man, it is a beautiful thing indeed to connect with your tribe. In today's Lights Out conversation with Anna, you're going to learn why she had zero doubts about her future poker success right from the jump, how losing $500 by staking a friend before she even played a hand of cards was a major catalyst in her poker journey, why she wrote her bachelor's thesis on the history of poker after the first WSOP, and much, much more. So without any further ado, I bring to you the Spanish poker supernova, Ana Marquez. Anna, welcome to the show. How are you doing yeah. this evening for you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are, what about you? I'm doing very well. It's just the afternoon for me, just doing some writing and typing and answering a bus- bunch of questions and really looking forward to recording this podcast episode with you. Typically, we start out by asking you the story of how you got involved in playing cards. So we'll start there. Where does that begin? Uh, that begins in Washington, D.C. I went to school uh, at American University, uh, Washington, D.C. Where are you from? And I'm from Spain. I'm from Malaga. And, and how old are you, too, to get the, get the timeline straight? <laughs> I, I'm 34. 34. Okay, cool. So yeah. it started... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm an OG. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I, I'm an... O-O-R-G, I guess. Uh, 30, I don't even know how old I am. The math is fuzzy. I think I'm 37. Um, so college for you, how old were you in Washington? Um, well, I, w- I went there 2004. 
yeah, that's when I started school. I was 17. And then I started playing poker maybe when I was around 20. And then, um, yeah, like uh, I was playing in cash games in, around Maryland University. How did you find mm. poker? Like, how did you fall into the poker world, especially back then? You know, I guess it was sort of during the poker boom in the United States. But ultimately, what were you in school for? What were you like? You obviously went, flew across the Atlantic Ocean to go to school mm-hmm. in the United States. What, what was your aspiration then? Well, uh, I went to Washington because of my dad. My dad uh, has lived there for many years. And yeah, I went to study history and economics. So he lived in Washington, D.C. So, yeah, I just I just went to live with him. And yeah, and that's when I found that's when I found poker. It was very random how I found poker, like because actually I've never gambled, gambled, been in casinos like poker is not such a back then at least wasn't like such a big uh, game in, in, in Spain, you know. Like, but in, in America, like, it's different. In America, like, all, all my friends were, like, playing in games, you know, and just, uh, like, random home games and stuff like that. So that's, that's how I found it. I, I saw my friends playing, and I was like, hmm, what is this? Uh, you guys are a bunch of DJs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, because uh, I, I really don't like to gamble, you know. Funny enough, but yeah. Um, so that if if you don't like to gamble, like why did poker resonate with you? Why did it take hold of you so strongly? Well, I mean, with uh, with the timing, poker you end up becoming a little digital side note. <laughs> yeah, it rubs off on everybody a little bit. There's really really no no other option. Yeah, but no, the reason why is because uh, I saw my friends doing it, and I was like, why are you guys? doing here like why are you wasting money let's go party and like I saw this <laughs> I saw this friend of mine and he had a lot of chips so I was like okay this guy must know something that I don't so I sat down next to him and I was like what are you doing like teach me and he was like well I first of all I was making fun of him and then he was like no 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 like there's actually a lot of strategy in this game and this is something that I'm really interested in I'm like huge on strategy in fact I wanted to start my master's degree in military strategy so um, so then like he was like he was kind of like the freaky of the of the group like the freak of the group who really liked the poker like who was pretty much like catching up with the boon and he was like okay like there's strategies there's books you gotta read this is not gambling like this is etc etc no so that's when I was like okay let's check it out and basically I just started like watching him play for a lot of hours like I started getting really interested I thought it was really fun and little by little, I started getting into it. And then I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I didn't put any money on it until I read like Super System, that little green book. I was like playing, play money, like super like studying before I jumped in. And, and then eventually I did. Actually, it's a pretty funny story. Like the first time I went to a casino, um, I told my friend, I was like, okay, I'm going to put money on you. Like, I'm going to stake you. I didn't know what staking was back then, but, you know, I was like, okay, I give you 500 bucks. Let's go to Atlantic City. I drive you because I have my car. Let's go to Atlantic City. I sit next to you and I see, and I, I watch what you're doing. <laughs> we lost it all. We lost it all. He, he was so bad. He was like, he's five best time ever, you know? And like, but I did sit behind him for 13 hours in a row. And then we drove from the Atl- from DC to Atlantic City, and then watched for thirteen hours, and came back. You know, like straight up. 
And after that, I was in love with the game, to be honest. And that's when I started studying and everything before jumping in in my first cashing. Yeah, so it took losing $500 to <laughs> to really get interested <laughs> in poker. Um, yeah, and it wasn't even me who lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think moving forward, it's probably a safer bet to bet on yourself uh, than, than your friend. Something that interests me is the, the parallels between military tactics, military strategy, and poker strategy. What parallels did you see early on that resonated with you? Well, mm, I mean, you know, the art of, of uh, the art of war, the art of, <laughs> there's actually a, a, a book, I think it's called uh, The Art of Poker, no? or something like that. It's kind of like a parallel to the art of war. But the thing, I mean, I really like to anticipate like other people's moves like and yeah basically i think that's probably what resonates the most with the strategy and creating like anticipating and also creating a strategy that that it's like a, a well put strategy from beginning to end that you can follow through with confidence you know i think like com the confidence level is super important in everything you do that's what takes the emotion away from everything you do you know so, yeah, and then, like, also, like, one thing that, like, I really loved about the game at the beginning was, like, maybe this doesn't resonate with, like, strategy and, and like, military strategy, but the independence, the independence of thought, you know, like, like, everything is on me, and, like, I mean, I don't know, I was in school back then, you know, and, like, I really hated the fact of, like, having peers tell me what to do, how to think, uh, how it degraded me and everything. And like poker was like, I get in my own world, I focus, I create my strategy, I follow through and I trust in myself creating my strategy. So I guess that's what resonates the most with, with any kind of strategy. Yeah. And that ability to anticipate serves you very well in the poker space because mm -hmm. that's really what you're doing the majority of the time, seeing the flaws in your opponent's model their strategic model and then taking advantage of said flaw whatever that may be and being flexible and open to anticipating and then kind of attacking also yeah. as it relates to like military strategy and poker too i think there's one one parallel that i think about a lot and it's how poker is like a fog of war like you can be prepare yourself as much as you possibly can, but you, you're never fully prepared for every eventuality. You yeah. still have to like think and act and react uh -huh. to data points that are unknown and kind of logic your way through different spots. And some people, when they sit down at poker, like they're really good at understanding theory away from the felt. And then when they sit down, mm -hmm. everything totally and completely falls apart. They're not able to execute like when the pressure yeah. is on and they're in it. And that's just a, a fascinating thing to me. Yeah, actually, the, uh, on another note with that, um, I think it's quite funny that at the beginning when I first started, like, because uh, as I said, like, I was more of like a, a nerdy starter, you know, like I studied the strategy first, and then, and then I applied and like, <laughs> it's funny. And I, I don't think I'm the first one. Like, I'm the only one. There's a lot of people that I used to listen, like, that would think like me. It's like, oh, we prefer we, to play with Rex because then we know what they're doing, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and it was like, it, yes, because you, you can anticipate their strategy a little better because like, you know, they're studying the same thing as you. 
Uh, but this is like before you learn to adapt, you know, like once you learn to adapt, then it's when everything becomes beautiful because it's when like you have your basis. And as you say, like all the unknown variables that come in, like it's when you can adapt to them, like following and like uh, the detour from your original strategy, you know. So, yeah, I think uh, that's quite interesting. As you said, yeah. Yeah, there, there's uh, something to be said for the nerds who study a ton of poker before they actually start playing. Like in 2004, I was that exact nerd. Like I was the person mm-hmm. going to my job with Super System and reading it before every shift. And like I was in Tennessee, there was not even any poker. And like showing mm-hmm. people like that I went to elementary school with, they're like, what are you up to? What are, you, what, what are your plans? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, I'm learning to be a professional poker player. And like, they would laugh at me and I would show them super system. Like, no, I'm for real. Like I'm actually doing this thing. And yeah, I think that like the type of people who are willing to prepare themselves as well as they possibly can, even though ultimately I don't know that that preparation uh, pays so many dividends when you actually start playing poker, just because again, it's like the fog of war where you're just totally overwhelmed by, you know, all the the data points and everything like that. Even still, like the type of person that seeks that information out, that is trying to prepare themselves to gain an edge in the future. That's the type of person who, in my opinion, ultimately has a lot of success playing poker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it does help. But like, as I said, a little bit like in the confidence level, you know, of like yeah, that being it, confident with yourself. I think I think that helps. And yeah, mostly overconfidence. Else, <laughs> like in yeah, my experience, yeah, that can happen too. yeah, very much overconfidence. Like, oh yeah, I've, I've read Super System. Like, I'm a favorite. What, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, which, when you're yeah, 21 yeah. years old, when you're 21 years old, that sort of uh, silly overconfidence can actually take you much farther than you would think. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Um, for sure. So going back, like you know, you're you're in school, you're learning how to play poker, you're reading Super System. Your friend loses your five hundred dollars due to, you know, your decision to try to stake them for that one night. You fall in <laughs> love with poker. What's the next step? What do the next steps look like? Well, I spend the whole summer studying it. Then I go and play my first cash game. And yeah, I mean, I was pretty needy, but I was making money, you know? So I started like building a little bit of a bankroll. And very soon after I started playing live, like uh, within six months, I think, of playing live, I, I joined online. I, yeah, actually, Greggy, Greggy was in my game, Greg Emerson. Uh, and he was like, dude, online, we got to play online. <laughs> <laughs> so like excited, you know, and I was like, okay, we can play online. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found it. Like, let's go. And I was <laughs> and like, that's how like the Maryland crew kind of started, you know, and we started playing like online poker. And how, how long did it take you to transition from university to just playing poker full time? And like, was it, was it, was uh, it probably. ever even a, a thought of doing something yeah, else? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, uh, I was like, uh, basically, uh, well, I took a year off from school. I stopped school. I just started like uh, <laughs> just studying hardcore. I was like, mm, let's just put this on the side for now. And then, uh, yeah, then eventually I just decided like, okay, uh, I had the decision before going to my master's degree, which I said in military strategy, or do this. And... I'm a very like meticulous person. So like when I do something, I like to go 100%. So 
mm, poker for me was very meticulous. I'm, I'm very, I like, yeah, meticulous, you know, like I, I wasn't messing around when I, when I started. And then uh, before going into my master's degree, I, I was actually like studying for the GRE and I was like, mm, you know what, like, I'm going to give myself a shot of one year, you know, and if this works, like, then I continue. And if it doesn't work, I just go back to school, you know. Did you ever have, and did you yeah, have a I mean, thought of like it not working out? Did, did you really think that was, that was an option? Not really. I mean, not really. That's what I told my parents, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in, in your my, head, in your head, you were already. Head, I was like, sure. yeah. <laughs> Off to the races. Really like, uh, 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 fucking mirage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, no. I was like super obsessed with it, you know. Like, yeah, no, I, there was no option for failure to me, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I lost my role, like, you know, like we all do at one point, but yeah, but like it's a good thing, like at the beginning it was like small roles, you know, so it was fine. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I was always a little bit of a hustler, so <laughs> I knew how to like recover money fast. So yeah. Well, you, you made friends with, you know, future WSOP champion, Greg Merson, who's like a crusher. So I'm sure that like, you know, Make having these sort of contacts with other successful poker players. I mean, even when things go kind of bad, you can still have options. In that time, not really. Everybody's a fish, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> over, yeah, over time. Nobody had I'm money in that yeah. time. Nobody. We were all like super broke. Like, I mean, we were playing with like one to two K, <laughs> maybe three K bankrolls, you know? Yeah, like, for sure. we were like, <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, whoever had the ability to, like, make some money doing something else, like, was winning already, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, we, like, we were in, I'm talking to you about very, very basic levels, you know, like. So, so what do you mean by hustling and rebuilding your bankroll? Like, what's the thing that, that you nah, would do? Like, for example, like, I used to go and, like, promote, uh, be a promoter for clubs, you know, like, I'm a very social person, so, like, it was very easy for me to say, like, I knew everyone in my school. Like, I am very social, so I knew everyone on my school, and I was like, yeah, I bring you people to the party, like, just send me some money, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, like, I would make, like, a couple hundred, and I was like, let's go play. Yeah. <laughs> so, Got a brand new big Yeah, goal. yeah. Yeah, exactly, pretty much. So, yeah, it was just like a... We were, we were like mini bowlers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did your first year go? Like what, what was the result of this first year? No, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I built a decent sized bankroll and like, I mean, uh, I was first on online cash games, but uh, I don't know how it happened exactly. But at one point, like I saw the light of tournaments. You know, and that's like what gave me the push, like into like started grinding tournaments and like that like increased my bankroll pretty fast. But to be honest, I don't remember exactly how it happened. We never do. Mm. Like we never do. I, yeah, I, really, I don't know. I, I, don't I had know. Phil Galfund on the show, and and he talked about like one time losing fifty percent of his bankroll in like a twenty-four hour period, and then like having to move down and then take more shots, and like he remembers the time he loses fifty percent has no recollection of like when it just stuck, like when he took a shot and yeah. like things just went well. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I do know like when it was like uh, my big jump, you know, um, my big jump in online tournaments and live tournaments, like was probably like when I, this was very sick because um, I went to build in a bankroll 
then uh, I I was sick, and then like somehow I got myself in the 10K PCA main event, and it was my, it was like pretty much my first live tournament. I think I played the ladies before that. <laughs> Your ladies first first tournament to 10K PCA. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I had a good month in like online, you know. So I was like, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, thank so you, you can say God, whatever. <laughs> you can say risk aversion is not a thing that you're I'm that you deep deal deep. with. Yeah, yeah. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah. heart, I am, you know. So, so yeah. So I and funny enough, I bubbled the FC. So yeah, I bubbled the FC. And and I got like my over hundred K score. So after that, these tournaments like, are yeah. easy. Like what, yeah. yeah, easy game, easy game. <laughs> and then after that, yeah, then um, I started grinding more. Like then I also got like more like a little bit later on. I I also won like the one K Monday million full tilt. So I basically started like it was a really like a good time, and then I started like. What is the one k mo- monthly million? What's the what's up top? M- Monday, Monday, uh, Monday, two fifty, I think. Two fifty, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a multi entry, you know, like uh, one of these multi entries, the one k multi entry they had every Monday. Uh huh. Yeah, you you have to excuse yeah, me. I I have almost never played multi table tournaments, so like. The older, like I remember, like the Party Poker two hundred k nightly tournaments, and I, I played uh-huh. some back in in those days. But like, I was just always way more attracted to cash games, and like would you know sometimes yeah. I would degen it on like Absolute and just pay play like the weekly five hundred or one k, but never uh-huh. uh, I was never into the full time MTT grind. Yeah, no, I was. It was really funny because I was very like needy like being a cash game player and as soon as i made the chance the jump from cash game to tournament i just went like bananas like <laughs> i was like playing out of roll a like, bunch of it was messy <laughs> but I, I ran good i ran good obviously because you can't run you have to run good at the beginning with this game you know so i was lucky enough i actually the, the times are the it's been, i'm so old man like really the times like the time frames are starting to get really blurry i don't even remember when it happened but 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 i do know that like my first biggest jump was bahamas for sure and and yeah how, how did and it then, feel and how, how did it feel hitting that 100k in the bahamas it, it was insane it was insane i was also cheap leader with two tables left and I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm an online grinder. Like, why am I, why am I with chips? Like, I remember it was so messy with the chips. Like, I couldn't like count them. Like, I didn't know how much people had. Like, I was always announcing my races. And sometimes I would make like ridiculous races because like they didn't make any sense compared to my stack, you know? Like, it was so messy. Like, but I, I just remember I kept, I kept telling myself like, just think you're in your just just think you're playing cash game. Just just think you're in your uh, Maryland like uh, cash game game. You know, like because that was like my biggest like I mean my cash game in Maryland like was my biggest reference to like live poker. You know, like before that, like from that to to Bahamas, it was all online. You know, so I was like just just remember the the cash game, remember the cash game, and I was just trying to be super calm and everything, but like. I don't know. It was like super overwhelming, you know. Like it was also really funny because I remember, like you know, I'm the nuts, like Chris Oliver, you know, uh, you know, he's such a legend. And like 
he comes to me and he's like, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't remember what he said. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Oliver, I'm the not. I don't know. So this is another <laughs> this is another interesting tidbit about me. He, he won. I, I don't he know. I don't know much about MTT tournament players. As embarrassing as okay, that I is, see, I, see. I have no idea who like has won the main event in the last ten years. <laughs> I have no idea. But but he's he was like super recognized online, you know. And I knew him from online, but he didn't know me like he because I I don't know. I was just like whatever, you know. And like he he and like he just came to me and he just like pounded me, you know. He was like, oh, you're sick or whatever. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> 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 on the nuts, <laughs> you know. So it was super sick, you know. It was super sick, like to be like in that spot, like being a, just like an online grinder, you know, like who didn't know anybody from the live circuit. Or or anything like other people I knew were from online and like and I'm not like I'm not like huge in forums and all this stuff you know so like I've always been actually quite shy in that in that sense like that's so, funny why mm, why why shy in the forums but not like at school or in other social because settings? because one-on-one I'm not shy like in person I'm I'm a very personable let's just say like that like person to person chilling but then, like, online and forums and, like, chats and all this stuff or, like, just talking to the air, like, social media, all this stuff, then I'm a little bit more intimidated, you know? So, yeah, like, but I knew, I knew, like, the sickles, you know? And, and I respected them. So, like, being there with them, like, I remember, like, looking around, who's who, who's who? Like, who, what's your online name? What's your online name, you know? It was, <laughs> right. but it was, yeah, but it was amazing experience. Like, it was sick it was just sick you know and obviously like it was mega painful to bubble the final table like definitely something that's still in my heart <laughs> but, but yeah but it was a, a crazy experience you know yeah and i'm sure that it helped skyrocket your poker career and also probably helped yeah. you get like a lot of contacts too with all those yeah. crushers yeah. and develop those relationships yeah 100 percent. I, I mean after that i just is when my life career started pretty much like i mean i started combining both you know like i started playing plus it was before black friday so it was uh yeah i think i think it was before i'm so confused about it had, black friday was like remember. 2011 so it's got to be before black friday i would think i think it was right at the same time no? same time i'm not sure <laughs> i think so yeah i don't know somewhere well, around there it's whatever like, yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's on the internet. <laughs> but but yeah, but the yeah, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. And after that, I just like started grinding life and online equally. So my which one do you prefer? Which fun. one do you have uh, more fun doing, live or online? Okay, back in the days, it was different. It's changed. Like back in the days, I would say it was fifty fifty. And it was more like I would spend like a period of like bunch of online grind and I would be like, I'm so tired of this life, you know? And then I would spend a bunch of life and I was like, oh, I can't wait to play life. <laughs> and also it changed when it would change when we could do it at the same time, you know? Like uh like when we could like like at the beginning, most of the time, like like my my first like my scoop win, I won a scoop and I was in Monte Carlo, you know, in the in the EPT Monte Carlo. So back and back back then it was a mix. It was like whatever I was more tired of doing, I would pass to the other one. But I was doing both at the same time. So it was pretty crazy. Nowadays, I must admit that I prefer life. 
because online, especially after Corona, man, oh, I mean, I'm so sick of online right now. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know, I guess it's um, online, it's a more lonely thing, you know? Like, and, I don't know. Like, when you're live, you're like hanging out with your friends. Like, my friends are all spread around the world. So, when I play live, like, I see my friends, you know? When I don't play on, I don't play, I play online, I'm like looking out of my window, like, watching my birds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um one of the one of the things that make me so sad about doing this podcast is like coming from uh, I I mean I, I spent my time playing live cash games after Black Friday for a few years, but basically making all these contacts through the podcast, meeting new people and like making new friends and then I can't meet anybody. I can't do anything. Like I'm just yeah. in my house and haven't been able to travel to play live poker, haven't been able to, you know, go to Vegas and hang out with, you know, some guests that I am keep regular contact with, or my students that are scattered across the United States, like, oh, my God, I'm so ready to go on an adventure and get out of the online poker space for just a little yeah. while. Like, I'm sure that eventually, like, I'll get sick of that as well. But <laughs> right now, I'm really just chopping at the bit to play some live poker. Yeah, I think we're we're all like uh, pulling our hairs out, you know. Like we really want to do it, even though to be fair, I'm I'm a little intimidated about Vegas because I think it's happening a hundred percent this year, and I'm scared. Scared, I'm scared. of COVID. Of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty scared, especially going to America and getting sick in America, and then like having to deal with doctors in America. You know, like I mean. What do you I mean? better get a really good health insurance. No, I, I mean, Are, aren't we the best? Don't we have the best in the world? What do you mean? Well, I don't know about that, but I know you guys have the most expensive. So, <laughs> Hopefully you'll be able to get a vaccine before. Yeah. I mean, it's not looking so good, to be honest. I mean, it's going slow, you know, and I don't know. I mean, hopefully, but if I don't get a vaccine and I have the main event opening, like it's going to be a tough choice, man. Yeah, that's I really gonna, want to go. But. I would say that the risk probably outweighs the reward. Um, personally, I guess maybe I'm getting older now. If I were like 22 or 23, I would be like, yeah, whatever. Like I would just go. But yeah. now it's like 37. I'm like, hmm, what are the long-term side effects of COVID? Like what if it affects me for many yeah. years? Like that's a possibility yeah. that makes me nervous. Yeah, no, I, I say this now, but... To be honest, like, I don't think if I have not, but I don't have the vaccine, I probably don't go because it just seems really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, let's hope that there's a vaccine. In that case, it's just the, yeah, point, the point is moot. So you said you're very meticulous. When you were beginning your poker career, you're immersed in strategy and learning. And so I want to ask you that if you had a chance to sit down with a carbon copy of yourself who is just getting into poker, super excited to learn about the game, but she she lives now in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you how would you instruct her to go about learning how to play poker and develop her poker skill? To be honest, like the first like eight years or so, I would say do the same thing. I don't regret anything. So I what was the same thing? What what is the same uh, thing? This eight year plan. Be a degen. 
<laughs> grind as much as possible, learn as much as possible, have my eyes and ears open all the time, talk about poker all day long, like watch everything poker, like everything, everything. There is a thing, like the, when I started, it wasn't the time now. Like we didn't have as much information as we have now. So it's uh, different, you know, like everything, like I will tell you like that I would make myself uh, or I will tell my other self back in the day, like when things change, like when, when information start coming out. Like uh, when PO started coming out, like yeah. when people go really so PO PO exists right now. What what, what do you tell her? Like yeah. where 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 would you have her start her poker career? Okay, so study in the morning, play at, uh, in the evening. Every what, day. What what's she gonna study? I mean, with uh, PO, like two hour PO every day. Study ranges. I don't know. Build strategies. Stack in all the courses you can find. Like study ICM. Like really focus on ICM and yeah like uh, basically uh, really be really organized on how to split your time like uh, and and of course this is something that I didn't do and I understand why I didn't but like now that I know better I will say like find your balance as well like you have to like I mean, being obsessed is part of like a way of like becoming excellent in something, excellent in something. But it's also a way to end up getting sick of it or getting physically sick. So I would certainly say like take one day out of just one day, like one day. Okay. Like I know it's hard. I know it's hard <laughs> to disconnect. I know it. But push it, <laughs> push that one day, you know, like I still, I, it's so tough to disconnect. Like I, I always try to say, okay, Friday, 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 off, Friday, off. And then I'm like, that's never off. Like I'm always like going, like doing stuff. Like even it's like, maybe I'm not being the meticulous studier or grinder, but I'm like, okay, let's watch some YouTube. Uh, let's uh, watch this. <laughs> it's hard. Like, but yeah, it's important. It's super it, hard. Yeah. It, it's hard to not do anything. And you know, I've said it a couple of times that the most valuable days that I spend and the most valuable parts of my day are the days that I just completely disconnect from everything. And like I write in yeah. my journal, I plan my day out, I have ideas and like there's no pulls on my attention because I'm the type yeah. of person that like will carry their phone into the shower. Like I will just... yeah. I, 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 I'm like, oh, what, what if something happens? Like, let me just like look yeah. stuff up. Like, <laughs> just constantly like and i have yeah. no people will tell me why don't you have more self-control and my answer is i just don't <laughs> I, I don't yeah, it's just fun it's fun you know it's like when you love something you want to do it all the time man like i don't know i love poker and like for example after all these years like yeah maybe i have less stamina to play because yeah i'm older and like and uh, like as i said like i mean i love playing poker but like yeah playing like 13 hour sessions online is not as exciting as it used to be, you know, but I still love studying poker. Like, I love it. I love all the tools we have. I love all the videos. I love all the podcasts. I love all the streams. Like, I just love it, you know? So, yeah, like you go into the shower and you just put the podcast on. Like, <laughs> you're like listening to more stuff, you know? So, but you know, there's something, there's something that really helped me with this. And this is something that I would for sure tell my, my old Anna. Like, I didn't think about it, but now I thought about it. Meditation. Meditation, 100%. 
I learned about meditation, I think in like 2013, 13, 14, something like that. And this has really helped me. It really, 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 really loads, loads. Like, yeah, so good. It's so good. It, it, I mean, you have to be consistent on it to like really see results. But I mean, I have times where like I, I do like one hour every morning and then I have times where I'm like, I cannot sit down. And then I'm like, okay, five minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Like uh, just like clock yourself five minutes or something like that. And that like really changes things. You know, I think it's one of the best tools you can have as a poker player. Like well, as a, anything really like meditation is amazing. So Yeah. I think especially like, for folks like it, us that need to slow down and like, just mm-hmm. slow down, yeah. chill out for just a yeah. few minutes. It's very, very important. I think other other things too, like meditation is a game changer and it's something that I've been immersed in for uh, maybe six or seven years as well. Um, mm-hmm. Also like yeah. going to the gym, like lifting weights, um, being active, going on walks, like yeah. push pushing your body. Yeah. That's another thing that like, I've just found so many benefits down the line of having more energy, feeling more confident, just my cognitive ability improves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like though that's like the low hanging fruit for me is like disconnect every day, try to take care of your body, meditate. And then uh-huh. also I think the final thing that, you know, this is a part of a program that I put together a while back that um, is defunct right now, but I call it uh, the spiritual block um of just doing something that like you love for the only purpose that you love it that it makes your spirit your awareness that's inside of you happy mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and yeah shockingly that part of the equation was the thing that my students had the most trouble with was like finding their daily spiritual block and i'm like it could be anything like you could do literally <laughs> anything that just makes you happy i do right? painting painting yeah I, I love to paint yeah yeah i'm very inconsistent with it though it's, it's like now that you say it, i was like mm, i don't have one and then i was like yeah i do like painting but it's something that like it really never comes to my mind to do like i will have to push myself to do it you know like so yeah i'm actually like in this sense like i've done uh, one thing that i change as a poker player as a person like maturing and everything Definitely meditation, definitely a nutrition. Nutrition for me, it's massive. Like it's changed also like my whole like stamina, like brain power, everything. Like also from not getting sick and stuff. How'd you and change your nutrition? Ex- Let, let's I, I, I go turn paleo. Paleo? Paleo? How do you say in English? You don't know what paleo is? Paleo. Paleo. Yeah, uh, my yeah. accent. My accent is it's like it's so tough for me to pronounce that word. Like paleo, paleo, paleo. That's okay. I'm not gonna judge you because I only speak one language, not super well. So I, I'm no no person to judge. My accent never goes away. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's a thing. I, I being you know like like we were talking about earlier uh, a nerd we learn and research these things and for some reason like when language develops as kids um it's a very specific way and like it will you just yeah. never change over time yeah 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 no it's really tough it's really tough to learn languages like especially like if you don't live in the country or stuff it's really, really tough okay like, you, well we know english so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> getting back to paleo so like what were yeah. you doing pre-paleo and then the transition and 
Nothing. And <laughs> I was a vegan. I was a vegan. Like, this is the thing. I was going to say meditation good and nutrition good. Moving my ass, not so good. Like, I love yoga, but I'm so inconsistent with it because I'm just so used to, like, sitting in the computer and just boom, 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 boom never moving, never leaving. You know, it's, it's really unhealthy. It's like, this is, one, I, this is one of the things that I try to push so hard, like exercising. And my favorite part of exercising will be yoga. And still, it's like, ah, mm, really? <laughs> but yeah, how? I mean, I used to eat like shit, man. Like, sorry, but I used to eat really bad, you know? We, like, we, can, we can curse on here. It's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, I mean, always delivery. I mean, whenever I was playing live poker, it was room service restaurant. And when I was playing online, it was like uh, delivery, you know? Like, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to fry an egg. Like... <laughs> so so yeah like really unhealthy and very processed and i don't know tasty but really bad like really really bad yeah and then eventually i started getting sick you know like i did i did get sick from my unhealthy habits so that's what pushed me into into a paleo diet and i mean i had to do um how do you say an, an elimination diet for like over six months or something like that because i started getting sick so and that's what like seeing the power of the elimination diet and then the power of paleo like it changed my life you know because I was like wow this is unbelievable like really what you're eating is like changing everything you know it changes the energy level you have changes your skin like changes like how you feel like and you start like feeling love for what you eat like like the food you prefer, like the like loving your ginger shots, loving your kombucha, <laughs> like you know, like all this stuff. Like it's it's another lifestyle, and like, I really appreciate it. Like I, I became a really nutrition freak at one time. So yeah, that's great. I mean, you are what you eat, and it has yeah, hundred percent dramatic impact into your energy levels and just across the board. Look, I totally get it. You feel like being a lone wolf in your poker journey has hamstrung your ability to realize your full potential. So I'm about to give you a golden opportunity to plug into a supportive tribe that will be the poker family you've always wished you had. How much money would you give for one hour of interactive group coaching led by myself, Coach Thomas, and occasionally past guests of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast? For now, and this will absolutely change at some point in the near future, the price of admission to the Live Poker Power Hour is 100% free. All you've got to do to get your invite is head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com and hop on the VIP newsletter. No more excuses, no more procrastination. It's time to take action and put yourself in position to turn your poker dreams into reality. I hope to see that beautiful face of yours in just a couple of days. I have a I have a question, and this was going back a little bit in time, but I read that your bachelor's thesis was going to be on the history of poker since the 70s. Um, yeah. And this is something that I may, may be obsessed with. But tell me the stories. What did you learn as it relates to the history of poker? Um, well, um, I wrote it on the... How do you say it? I don't even remember the title. Man, my memory sucks. 
uh, the sociological. Is that how you say it in English? That's a, it's not a it's not a very sexy name. Uh, I'm I'm already <laughs> sociological. I think it's it's, it's starting out. <laughs> yeah, uh, the social soci sociological effect of um, the creation of tournament poker in the seventies. So yeah, so basically, like uh, I did a whole research on how poker was played before the seventies, and then how it changed after the World Series of Poker started. And how this impacted society, and like how poker started to be seen as something as a competitive uh, sport rather than just like a gambler's game, you know. So, and basically, I just go over like from the beginning of World Series, and I start like digging into money maker effects, and then like later on and everything. So basically, the the, the process, like the whole historical process since since tournament poker begin began what is what, what what's a something surprising that you learned writing that paper i mean it was really fun because first of all i could tell my my thesis advisor that i had to go research to vegas and atlantic city all the time <laughs> that's nice <laughs> it was amazing for like grinding <laughs> um but i don't know it was just a very interesting to see like the the real OGs, you know, and like how it was always the same people, uh, how they came from the cash games into like this uh, this tournaments that were like so small and like I don't know how like the environment, you know, how it changed a little bit from like everything being so obscure to like everything being so like competitive, you know, and and yeah, uh, how people. Well, I, I did learn quite a lot about, like, casinos and, like, how casinos, like, saw poker. Like, for example, like, how they didn't like poker because they couldn't, like, get so much money from it and took a lot of space of the casino. Then I'm trying to remember because it was ages ago. And then, yeah, like, how people started seeing it as, like, I guess professional, yeah. Like, I think that's, like, that's what's starting to change, you know? Like, the competition made it more... More, pro I mean, I don't like to say the word professional in those years, but like kind of. I don't know if I'm expressing myself too well with this. More, more organized, more viable as yeah, as a competition. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like more serious, like more serious business, more than like just like going and like degenerating around, yeah, you know, yeah. like in underground games and stuff. Like yeah, like yeah, more like like it's a sport now, you know, something like that. So yeah. What I'm angling at here, most of all, is to hear some stories that you uncovered from, you know, the DJ back in the day, the Johnny Moss versus the Greek horseshoe million dollars like uh, on <laughs> display. Like, were there any stories that are memorable to you that came away from that research? Uh... Uh, I mean, I think like the most memorable was like Sungar, you know, like uh, Sungar like really surprised me in his story, you know, like how he was such a sickle, like he was just so smart, you know, and like so good, but such a legend at the same time, you know, so sad how he ends, you know, like he ends with no money in his pocket, like so. Yeah, that the, the, that story, I think he's like my favorite story out of everything I saw, you know, because it's like you see like how 
sometimes talent is not enough to succeed in life, you know, like because I don't, I don't think he was successful in life. He was a psycho and like a genius, you know, and somebody who like I, I admire in that sense, you know, but so sad at the same time how he ended. So, yeah, I think that's a, and he, he was 100% ahead of his time, you know, like really ahead of his time. So I think he's like my favorite story. Like I have huge admiration for him. And also I feel bad because yeah, like success is not, is not always enough, you know, or like being, being Talent. A, 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 yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like being a genius, like it's not enough. Like, yeah. It's not enough to be successful in life because to be successful in life, it doesn't mean like what scores you have or what, how much money you make. It's like how happy you are with yourself. Like, yeah, and like I, the people around you and everything, you know. And we could make the real argument that mm. the way that Stuunger lived, it's likely that he wasn't super happy with the way that his reality was set up. Um, Stewie was yeah. one of one of my heroes too. Uh, coming up, just obviously, mm-hmm. just the stories are legendary. Winning three WSOP main events, like taking a break for like over a decade or. I guess taking a break, aka uh, probably <laughs> not being well enough to compete or have the bankroll to yeah. compete at the WSOB for like a decade. But I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he was genius and legendary. And I did a, a tournament last year on Twitter, a silly Twitter tournament called the hashtag Poker Goat. And when I was seeding the players from like across all space and time, which by the way, if you're going to uh, endeavor to do such a pro- project, People are going to yell at you. <laughs> People are going to yell at you for the way that you you rank the players. Um, and I got a lot of flack because I ranked Stewie. He was a three seed in his bracket. So 16 people in his bracket mm-hmm. and Stewie was a three seed. And to be honest, Stewie was like a 10 or 11 seed in the beginning until I talked to Berkey and Berkey convinced me to make him a three seed. But in my mind, like when I think of all-time successful poker players, Stewie doesn't crack some of the other people just because I don't think that ultimately he was uh, an ultra successful poker player. Like I think that if he existed in today's day and age, it would be much harder for him without having the the mental game aspect of it that so many people are so strong. Yeah. That's the thing that, yeah. that to me, like his talent is undeniable. Maybe one of maybe top three most talented poker players, the mental game uh-huh. side of it, is where like there's a major difference between like him and somebody like Ivy. Yeah. I mean, I see your point a hundred percent. I see your point and I could agree with it, but like I have such passion for people who are geniuses. Like what? really I do. Like it's like I think they're amazing. Like I think their brain is amazing, you know? And like if anything, I feel sadness, like more than like like I I still wouldn't take away from from him like what he was, you know. His brain was insane, like insane. And like, I mean, you know what? Like the, this this uh, conversation comes pretty often, like, and not with Stewie only, like with people from our from my time, you know. Like people, who are, there's a lot of genius geniuses out there that um, genius makes you a little crazy too, you know, and like also like to do the things that they do, they have to go through crazy moments and like crazy bankroll swings and things that like somebody who is not as genius as them like wouldn't be able to like stand, you know. 
So well, sometimes actually the the genius brings that part with you, like that craze with you, you know? Yeah, it's like a, they, they say it's like a thin line between like genius and madness, right? It's like yeah, very, very, yes, very close. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In comparison to somebody like Stu, I, I think the, you know, the one example that we have of somebody that was like successful back in the day transitioning to the current games is Eric Seidel, who's maybe my all-time poker hero because like he's somebody that was successful back then and is successful today in the the biggest games Mm -hmm. that are tournaments that are spread in the world and like that's a testament to like just his talent level is off the charts his ability to learn and play and understand poker is just off the charts so i think that any of those folks that were geniuses back then if they had the tools we have would have been successful today that's my opinion yeah yeah if if they can hold it together I mean, if they don't yeah, just fall 100%. apart. hundred percent. Isildur kind yeah. of reminds it, it me of Stewie. The, it, it, exactly. Like, he's, a, he, he's the one that comes to mind like, when I was talking about this. I mean, Saidel is a boss. And, like, he's, uh, he's another type of, like, player, I would say. Like, mad respect for him, you know? I, I think he's such a boss, you know? But it's like, in, when I'm thinking of Stewie, I can think of, I mean, Isildur is my favorite of all times. I, I love Isildur. Like, such a nice person, too. Like, it's so amazing. But yeah, like, I mean, we all know about his crazy swings and everything, you know? And yeah, it comes with it. It comes with it. I mean, a lot of people, like, uh, may, like, take away, like, from it. I don't. I don't. Like, they. when I say that less successful, I don't mean that less successful as, like, how great they are. Sure, it's monetary, I, I just, monetary I, success, or or men, or like peace of mind, peace of mind like too, yeah, happiness, happiness, like yeah, See, but greatness, they're fucking great. Oh, they're, they're great. yeah. There's no <laughs> no argument from me as to their their greatness. Uh, Victor, you know, Isildur. I've heard some painful, painful stories about Isildur and like his inability to quit and like wanting to keep splitting his, uh, splitting his buy-ins and like a, a good friend of mine battled him and said that, you know, he thinks that he, basically he, he thinks that Isildur would bust his account out sometimes just so he could like go to sleep and end the session. And that to me is like sad, you know, it, it's like a, a different level of poker I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> I don't know how to but, quantify but think, it. But maybe we don't understand it. No, we don't. I mean, because we one thousand percent. You know, be, no, because like maybe the way that he sees. I mean, I'm talking on my ass. Eh? I don't know how his genius might work. I really don't. Like, but maybe for him it's not as important, you know? Because maybe for him he can flip it out. Like, like he believes in himself so much. He understands the game in a way that he's just like whatever. Like. I just like, I'm going to DJ because I'm tired. I'm going to DJ because I feel like, because I'm tilted, because this, whatever. And like, I don't care because this is just a game. And I'm, it's just a game that I'm good at, period. And for the other person in the other side, it's like, well, we're playing for millions. We're playing, and this is my career. This is like my life, etc. And And Victor is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this is a game, but maybe, you know, like, we don't know. I'm just, I just think, I'm just like amazed by the way that their brain works. It's just like I don't know, man. Like it's oh. it's scary, yeah, it's scary. But uh, and but I don't know. I I think that somebody who's like has that talent, like it's just so tough to like 
detached from my side because it's like I'm so far from them, you know. So it's same. It's really like it, it's mm. it's it's we can't understand, and and that's just yeah. the re- the reality of it. Like you know, Stewie was so talented, just naturally blessed with this brain that was just almost. Mm-hmm transcends humanity as it relates to playing card games that like to even try to understand i think we're all going to fall short um but yeah Mm -hmm. i mean victor is the same way like i I think victor's one of the most talented poker minds that has ever been born and has ever set foot on the earth and it's just hard to deny that um he he just is yeah um because also it's kind of curious that a lot of these great minds that like people nowadays are saying like the people who study a lot like say like oh they're not so good they're not so good anymore they're not so good anymore but maybe because they don't care to study like but if they study they will crush like i mean they already crush without studying like who's them to study pio like everybody like hold their horses because we're like no chance <laughs> we have no chance you know so but maybe they don't care like that's the thing like uh, how can you know like it's it's really tough like it, it I don't is. Know. Great respect for them. Great respect, whatever. Like, uh, I just hope, like, the only thing I hope for them is that they're happy. Like, and like, whatever makes them happy, like, that's what matters, really. Like, seriously, like, they've already, all these guys have already shown the world, like, the kind of bosses they are. And like, I just hope they're happy. Like, that's, but they find that other success, you know? Like, peace. Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because Victor is a good person. Like, he's, so sweet and like really i just hope he's in peace whatever he's doing whatever he has like, yeah and he has nothing to demonstrate so yeah. that that's the thing that like you know going back i mean same for victor and same for stewie right i, I wish that Stewie yeah. would have had peace in his life you yeah know? yeah yeah um okay so segueing back to descriptive questions that we uh took a <laughs> took an old time <laughs> uh back back in the day detour there that I can mm-hmm. probably talk about all day long. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say is the most unexpected thing that's come from your poker journey? Like uh, something that happened in my poker journey? Yeah, something mm-hmm. you didn't expect. Well, burnout, burnout. Yeah, I hit, I hit burnout at one point, and it was really painful. It was really, really painful uh, because I love what I do, and like when I hit it, I was in on peak, you know. And it caught me completely, like, how do you say, like a deer with the headlights. Like, uh, I didn't expect it. And it suddenly, like, boom. What happened? What what year was that? That was uh, 2014 is when it started happening. And then, like, 2015, it really hit me. Oh, wow. And then how long long until you recovered? And what what did you do to recover? Oh, it was tough, man. It was tough. Like I learned so much from it, but it was it was a tough recovery. It took me like well, in 2015, it's kind of like I quit it completely because I lost 100% of the motivation. Like I couldn't sit down in a poker table. It was horrible. Why? And, um, is there any any reason why it, why you think it happened? I mean, 2014 was a really tough year for me. I was 2013, 2014, I was in peak of my career. I was crushing everywhere. And I was doing really good. And then just a couple of personal things happened to me uh, that I definitely didn't expect it and made me really sad, unfortunately, you know. 
And then that, like, what, like the things, the personal things that happened to me, that made me so sad, combined with how tired I was from, like, hitting the pedal for years, you know, like the gas, or <laughs> I keep making up like this. Uh, yeah, hitting the gas for years, like, it broke me. It really broke me. Like, and then uh, I was depressed, man. I was really depressed. Like, at one point, like, 2015, I was like, because the 2014 was, like, so stressful, so sad, like, that, like, poker, which was my passion, my only thing. I mean, I didn't have a life behind besides poker, you know. Poker was my life. And when all these things happened, like, I didn't have energy anymore to play. And when I lost my energy to play, I lost my ability to play, you know. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't go forward. Like, I would sit down and I was mad i was angry i was uh, resentful i was tired i was sad like i would have days i would be playing and crying like it was just so tough you know and then that was like that snowball you know because it was like it wasn't only like the bad things like that were going on like on top of that like my passion i couldn't develop it so that crushed me you know and then on top of all that, like, uh, since, since the mind really rules your body, you know, I started getting sick. And that's why I had to turn to paleo. But yeah, in like 2000, basically like 2014 is when everything broke. 2015 is when I was like, I can't do this anymore because I won't sit in a poker table just to dump my chips, you know. And I was, I was the kind of grinder. I mean, as I said, like I would grind 24-7, you know. Like, live or online, I don't care. Like, just put tables in my face. Like, I don't have time for anything else, you know? And I, I like, for a while, I was just doing that, like, feeling like shit, you know? So um, at one point, I realized, like, oh, my God, like, I'm not even playing anymore. Like, I'm just sitting here just, like, dumping money because I cannot focus. I cannot focus. Uh, and I'm just sitting here because I can't miss the World Series, because I can't miss the scoops, because I can't miss, like, a Sunday grind, you know? Like, and I was just sitting there when I was destroyed, you know? And then 2015, I decided, enough, enough. I, I quit. And, I mean, I quit. I didn't say I quit. I, like, I took a break. And then that break <laughs> felt really liberating, you know? Because I was, like, and then, like, I spent, like, two years? Yeah, two years where I was, like, uh, I was still playing, but I was playing very, like, uh, not really playing, you know? I was going to, like, some tournaments just for fun. Like, I mean, I was still playing, you know? But, like, my level of volume, my level of focus, of grind, everything was, like, it was a mess, unfortunately. I mean, thank God that I wasn't playing too much, you know? And that also, like, when I was playing, I, did, I was putting, like, more focus, you know? Because I was playing less. So, like, I actually wanted to be there. Like, I, I was only playing to be there, you know? But it was my, the volume, very small and not really like studying or anything. I was just like trying to like, I was doing it because I still love the game, you know. But basically I was healing. I was trying to heal most of the time. And in those two years, 15, 16, it was really stressful because even if I was healing, I wasn't sent, you know. I was on my journey to recovering. I was on my journey to recovering from... um from a burnout, from a depression, like for sure, like and it took it took a while. It took a while to like gain the motivation, and then uh, eventually, two thousand like 
mid-2016, like, my health levels were really bad. Like, I, I developed, like, autoimmune problems and, like, it was bad, you know. And, and that's when I found paleo. This is when I found paleo and it healed me completely. And, like, my change of lifestyle healed me. Like, uh, I started, like, 2017 was a complete journey to, like, um, to, like, uh, change my lifestyle. So it's like when meditation always was part of my, of my routine, but like this time was like for real, like no excuses, you know, the way I, I, I ate, I eat is like number one. And I started, this is when I started doing yoga and yeah, everything like this changed, you know? And then uh, actually uh, it was uh, when I really, 17 is when I really healed, you know? And then I started with Elliot Rowe, like at the end of uh, 17. So he helped me with like my mindset. And then I literally like, I went, I started grinding and I started doing good. Like uh, I was like doing a couple of final tables Then I won the Bucharest High Roller for 88. And then I got the sponsor with 88 and like I, I was recovered, you know? And then after that, back again, you know? So but it was, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, we we always underestimate how our macro life affects our ability to play poker. And I think we also underestimate how much poker takes out of us on a daily basis. Like it requires a lot of emotional resilience and willpower to sit down at your computer and battle day in and day out. And when your life is spiraling downwards, everything falls apart. You, almost yeah. nobody is successful when their personal life, their health falls apart at the poker table. You just can't because you, you, you find mm -hmm. yourself just showing up and clicking buttons. And like, for some reason, I think we trick ourselves that, that we're somehow so good at the game that we can just show up and be a winning player without actually yeah. performing at the levels that we're capable of. And mm -hmm. that's just, it's such a trap for talented and successful poker players that like you can't mm -hmm. just because you're you have the ability to play at a high level does not mean that you're going to play at a high level especially when things yeah. are spiraling out of control yeah and back at, back at that time like when all this started happening to me first of all mindset wasn't part like wasn't so big in the game like people weren't talking so much about mindset like uh, like now you know with like feather putting like prime and everything like it was another time people didn't thought so much about the mental game you know and also like when you're in this spot like you first of all like you don't really notice you really don't notice until at one point you're like, I mean, okay. I mean, I've always, as I said, I'm meticulous and I'm also critical with myself. So like, I did notice fast enough before, like I dump everything, you know, like I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. Like I've never run, like, like I don't believe in variance. I mean, that's a statement that people are always like, variance exists. obviously it exists. But you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've like always like, I know when I'm playing bad and when I'm running bad. Okay. Like, let's not fool ourselves. Sure. So, yeah. So I was like, no, dude, like, yeah, you're not playing good. You're for sure not playing good. Like, you're just dumping stacks. Like, you have massive stacks in EPP and suddenly, boom, like, what's going on, you know? So, so yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, I for sure noticed it. Yeah, I mean, that's a testament to your strength as a poker player to notice it that quickly. And 
you know, this happened with one of my private coaching students just very recently where we did a session and I'm like reviewing the video and I tell them, Hey man, you're playing like shit. Like, I don't know what's happening, but you're just not playing at the level that I'm used to seeing you play at. And so his homework was to watch back his videos from a month ago and really listen to his energy levels, listen to Mm -hmm. how strong his logic was and how confident he was in making the decisions that he was making and kind of get in touch with that earlier version of yourself and be like, look, this is different than that. And so like, you need to take a break, take some time off because like something's changing. And so like, we, we need to fix this as soon as we possibly can. And it's hard to notice. I mean, look, I consider myself a very strong poker player and I got super used against for a month and didn't figure it out. So like, (laughs) you know, I, I was just like, I'm running bad. I don't know why I can, can't beat these fish. These like 65 slash threes. Like every day I would wake up, I would play for five or six hours and get my brains beat in. And after like two weeks, I was like, just thinking like, did I just forget how to play poker? And then two weeks after <laughs> that, like one day I finally just said, fuck this. I don't know what's happening. Let's look at the data and see what's happening. And then I like within five or 10 minutes, it was like comically, comically yeah. fast that I was like, Oh, all these people play less than a thousand hands. They all play 65 slash four and they all win like 80 BBs per hundred. And I'm like looking at the hands and it's like, Oh, they're just playing perfectly. I see. I see what's happening now, but yeah, it's easy to trick yourself and not realize yeah. like the reality of what's actually happening. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. somewhat of an embarrassing story, but it also like, it goes hand in hand with like, I guess my confidence in my ability, but on the flip side, like how unwilling I was to like actually look into the data and not just chalk it up mm-hmm. to run bad. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Hey. Yeah, no, actually also, no. Sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say also another thing for me that happened is that I don't know if this has happened to other players before, but like for me as a female poker player, like, I mean, when I started playing poker, you know, like, and I mean, nowadays there's a lot of female players, like where there's been more, you know, and they're more settled. But when I started, like, I, it was a constant struggle to like prove myself and like uh, gain credibility amongst my peers, you know, like really, like, because yeah, like nobody, like, no, that's not true, not nobody, but like there was a, a lot of like, negativity towards me like oh she's just a girl she doesn't know how to play like all this stuff they play for her like all this stuff you know and I was always constantly like trying to like gain credibility and when this happened to me like when I had to stop because I was feeling so shitty and I couldn't like uh, play my game and, and perform how I've always performed like I saw it as a weakness I saw it as weakness and I was so scared to show weakness to the community. Like I didn't wanna, I didn't want people to think like, oh, she gave up because she sucks, you know? Or she gave up because she quit, uh, she, she, yeah, she's weak. Or she had to quit because she's not good enough. Like all this stuff, you know? And like for me, it was like, it was a very personal thing, you know? It was like, I really care about like my credibility within the community. So. Um, that made it even worse, you know, because uh, it 
prolonged the time that I wanted to play. And it also made it tough, tougher to recover because uh, I felt so bad, you know, I, I don't know, like just the thought of people thinking like, I mean, I know it's never good to like face your emotions on like what other people think, but like the poker community can be, can be so super amazing and super rough as well, you know, and uh, as a female back in the days, like it was, it wasn't easy, you know, like to have that credibility in the community and like going from like the peak to suddenly like disappearing or falling or whatever, you know, like I was like, man, they're really going to think I'm just a girly and I'm weak, you know, and I never wanted to show my weakness, you know. In fact, I think it's the first time I'm talking about like me being depressed, like really. Like, I think it's the first time I actually say it, you know, and yeah, and I I haven't even said it until like, now I feel like accomplished again, because I went again, like I've, I've had really good results in the, in the last couple of years, like since I came back, you know, but I was like, yeah, I was scared of people like seeing like my health problems and like my like mental downswing or my mental game, like falling, like as weakness, you know, weakness on my own game you know which is ridiculous uh, if you think cold about it but or if I think about it now but yeah that's that was something that I don't know if other players who have gone I mean I know a lot of players who have gone through like similar events as me you know so but I don't know if this has been a factor for them I, I I'm not sure you know it's not a burden that I've ever had to carry just being a male in the poker space yeah. and I think that like even you know great great players highly highly successful players sometimes disappear for a couple of years they kind of catch mm -hmm. their breath and they take time away from the game and I'm, i don't know that i've ever really thought much about it but I, I could i could see how you know you're carrying the torch of being a successful female in poker and how that could be very very difficult for you to uh for you to deal with because you know your identity gets wrapped up in the game that you're playing and your level of success and who you are. And when that kind of goes away, you have to face yourself and uh, it, it can be challenging. It can be challenging. Uh, speaking of like not wanting to show weakness, you know, I think this, this is a thing that resonates with me very well because just the other day uh, in a strategic episode of the show, I was talking with my student, John um, about showing weakness and how like at, in the cash game streets, you know, when I was playing at Commerce, like Garrett would come to a table and everybody would stand up and it would be like musical chairs. And like he sat on my left almost always because there was no chance I was going to move seats just because somebody new came into the game. Like I, I realized mm -hmm. this is it's not not a good, not a plus EV play. It's not a good thing having Garrett, <laughs> Garrett on your direct left. But like I just wasn't going to do it. And I was really thinking about my reasons for doing that. And it's the same that you just said, it's not showing weakness. I don't want anybody to think yeah. that like, I'm afraid of them being on my left. Like, fuck it, mm -hmm. sit down, let's battle. Let's see what happens. Like, <laughs> let, it's probably not good for me, but like, I, I'm not willing to show that weakness. And that even goes back okay. to sports for me. Like I remember uh, playing football and running a go and jumping and somebody kind of cutting my legs out from under me and like hitting the ground. And like, I remember hitting the ground and like popping up and the person looked like a ghost. <laughs> like like nothing happened. <laughs> the person who was like guarding me, like looked at me like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> and then 
the game ends and I go home and like, I couldn't like look to my left for like six months. Like my range of motion was just shot. Like I was, it was constant pain. But like in that moment, I was like, no fucking chance. I'm going to let you know that, that, that I'm yeah. hurt, that, that I'm weak in any way. Like I'm going to yeah. pretend like it just didn't affect me or didn't bother me. And yeah, maybe, maybe it has something yeah. to do with competitors i'm not sure exactly where that comes from but like i'm the same way i'm, I'm not going to show weakness like <laughs> for for whatever it's worth yeah 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 but like you, but you see like i i mean that experience also has like led me to the person i am today and like i've grown so much and like i've learned so much and i really like like the all the lessons i learned they were painful but i i i really love what i how who I became because of that you know and one of the things that I've also that I can take out of that experience I'm feeling that weakness as a female player is that now I'm also very interested in like empowering females to play you know and I for sure like any 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 time I have the chance to like uh, promote the poker female poker or like help girls or whatever you know like I'm really happy to do it because back in the days like I never thought about this. Like it was just like me on my grind, me on my battle and everything, you know? And after going through this and like suffering the pressure of the of being in a male environment, which is really the first time that it popped up, you know? It never pop, popped up before. Like, because, I mean, it popped up in terms of like criticism, like people criticizing me, but I was still one of the guys always, you know? Like it never, I was never identified with the girls. I was, I was one of the guys, like, but when all this happened and I felt like that fear of being weak because of like what the guys would think and like I started seeing myself like man like this is like real there's there's a real issue going on here you know and I don't want girls to go through feeling like this like uh, luckily the things are changing but like anything that's on my power for like to help them like no like girls play poker just like guys you know so yeah they, things are, they shouldn't have this need yeah. things are changing but not fast yeah, enough thankfully um yeah not fast enough and I, I would say too like it's just sort of the way that i think is in human nature that like whenever you go through something that's very traumatic and very difficult like you become kind of an expert on that thing because you <laughs> are battling it right like yeah. i'm an i'm an expert on sleep because I had problems sleeping and I dealt with insomnia mm. for years, right? Like typically when something yeah. is really meaningful to somebody um, and they know a lot about it, like it's just because they've gone through it and they, they're at the yeah. other side. So I would say your position, you position yourself very, very well to helping women overcome these, these sort of mindset minefields that I guess mm. come with unfortunately battling in a game that's comprised of mostly men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh yeah, let let's segue a little bit to our lightning round that, you know, it can be as lightning as you would like. It's not uh hard and fast. Hard not a hard and fast lightning round. If you could gift all poker players one book to read, doesn't have to necessarily be about poker, what would it be and why? I mean there's so many. I <laughs> I have like five popping in my head, you know. Yeah, you you uh, can you can say more if you would like. That's fine. All right, whatever. Let's just give the, the art of war because this is uh, an all-time greatness. <laughs> so, art of war. The art of war. Why the art of war? Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's good about the, to understand the strategy. So, um, yeah. Going to war, going to battle. Yeah. Par- parallels, <laughs> parallels between the military and poker. Yeah. This is kind of uh, yeah. a little theme. Um, <laughs> if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about poker, what would it be? What we were, what we just talked about, like uh, female integration, like uh, everybody equal, everybody respected equally, like females, like fifty fifty. And how would you go about doing that? Like, if you just had ultimate power, what would you do? I mean, I think the only way to do this would be that, like, I mean, it's, it's a re- like million dollar question, and it's like really tough to do this. But like, I think just like to make females go into poker, like that's the problem. Like, like society doesn't like it's not they're not in, they're not encouraging females to play poker. Like, and I don't know, it's probably probably because of the way girls are raised, you know. Like, uh, I mean, this is a huge debate, you know. But like, uh, yeah, like play with the dolls, like don't take risks, like find a good husband to marry, like blue, 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 like whatever, you know. Like it's cultural. I mean, it's a, a lot of people say that it's also like nature. I don't think so. I'm a girl, and I'm a very girly girl, and I freaking love poker. Okay, like, and I can compete with all of you guys, and I don't give fuck. So, no, it's not natural. It's uh, it's social. It's cultural. So, how to do it? Put like fifty percent of the field being girls. How to do this? I don't know. We have to change like the culture of like what the women are taught to do or how or to behave or like what jobs to go and everything. You know. Yeah, it's it's a shame that like fifty percent of the population, not the full fifty, but the more majority is like on the bench, right? Like these are people that would love playing mm-hmm. poker and human beings. And like, why, yeah. why is it such a thing? I, I don't know, but I know that like, if, you know, if you want to find the path to growing the game and getting tons more people involved, it goes through being more inclusive to females. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of people say like, like I've heard this and I've heard it even from girls, you know, say like, no, it is na- it's natural, you know, because like, yeah, like uh, only a few of us and we consider us tomboys and stuff like that. No, man, like my dad thought, my dad, like it's very like feminist. Like he was like raised by females. Like uh, he has a daughter, like he's, he's always told me to be like my best version, you know, and he's always encouraged me to do what I wanted, what made me happy and just to be successful at it, whatever it was. Like he's supported me always, you know. So no, it's not that. It's about education. It's about education. Okay, in sports, yeah, for sure. Okay, sports uh, physically were different. That's uh, that's okay. That's normal, you know. So it's normal that we cannot compete like MMA, like guys against girls, like basketball, etc. Whatever, you're sure. And poker, come on, man. <laughs> poker is all cuckoo. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's a mental game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's 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 uh, cultural. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've said it multiple times on the show, but I'll say it again that like when I was in school, the smartest kids in class were never the little boys. (laughs) Never, ever was it the little boys that excelled. It was always the little girls that were crushing the little boys. So yeah, I, uh, somehow, somehow the poker world just has to figure this problem out. Like they've got to, they've got to figure it out and do a better job. Um, What's something people would be surprised to learn that you're horrible at? 
Uh, I mean, I guess computers. Like, I'm horrible <laughs> at computers. Like, I could probably like set up the Zoom call. So, <laughs> I guess that. Uh, yeah, I'm actually pretty bad. Computers. Yeah, I would say computers. Math, I'm pretty bad too. But I think it, I don't think I'm like naturally bad at math. I think I'm a lazy thinker in math. You know, like it's like. I just see numbers and I'm like, meh. (laughs) Ballpark it, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think, like, I it's curious because in uni, I got my best grades in math. Yeah, but also because uh, my English wasn't so good and I was a history major, so, like, math was easy. (laughs) So I would get straight A's in in math, but in the other ones, it was more like, oh, I don't understand very well what you guys are talking about. (laughs) So, but, but yeah, like, I'm a lazy math thinker, uh, but computers, yeah, I think computers, like, really drive me nuts sometimes. Yeah, for an online poker player, computers and math is fairly fairly surprising to the listener. I would say that, like, Poker players in general, like you just need very rudimentary math skills, really, like understanding yeah. the pot odds model and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's surprising how many poker players are bad at math. Because <laughs> I'm always like, I don't want to say it. And then I talk to my, some of my guy friends and they're like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yep, mm, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I was making like a spreadsheet the other day for one of my, one of my courses and looking at mass data and had to hire some kid from brazil to come up with the right mathematical formulas because i did not even know where to start and then i had to had to call on uh one of my contacts through this show uh duncan who's a ucla math professor to also double check our work just to make sure because (laughs) if it were me the calculations would be nowhere near correct um (laughs) i i need help as it relates to advanced math for sure yeah, for sure, for sure. Like I've heard this many times. Like I'm not even ashamed of it because it's like, the, but for normal people, for non-poker players, they think like, huh? Like poker is all math, and you're like, mm, yeah, ask a, ask around. Let's see who's so good. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, it, it's more like psychological, emotional intelligence. I think is the big driver of poker success. Like just understanding what people are thinking. Like we said before, understanding the strategy they construct, the whole the strategy, and then just yeah. attacking them. Yeah, yeah. GTO, you don't need like in GTO, you don't really need like uh, math that much. Like, like you need basic math, you know. But you can understand the way the game works and the strategy without them like the exact math. As I said, I'm not like a complete dumbass with math. Obviously, like I, I always call, I always call good grades in math, you know. But it's not like I'm like a super genius. Like, whoa, no. Yeah, there, there is a difference between. You know, it's a spectrum of like horrible at math and then super geniuses. <laughs> Basically, fall yeah, in the middle yeah. in the middle of somewhere. Um, exactly. If you could erect a billboard, every poker player's got to drive past on the way to the card room. What would your billboard say? Enjoy the game. Be in the present. Yeah, that's a good one. Enjoy the game. Be present. I think my favorite one was Brian Rast, who said that he would put on the billboard, uh, your mother doesn't love you. That's the, <laughs> that's the other way to go about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he had two billboards actually. He needed like one, one, the billboard that's just ready to like crush everybody he plays against. That's the billboard for that. The other one was something much more pleasant, but be present, 
be in the present moment, enjoy the journey, enjoy your time playing poker. I think these are things that very much resonate with me. Like if you're playing poker, enjoy the process of being there. If you're spending tons of your hours sitting at the table, um, mm. what's a project you're working on that is near and dear to your heart? Dear to my heart is poker, you know, it's like, it's something that I keep working on every day and like I love. So dear to my heart is it's poker. I love the game. I really love it. Mm, it's a tough question. Uh, something that is like coming up now that I think is really interesting and that like, like taking a little bit of my attention is like the new technology of blockchain. Like I think that's super cool. Uh, I've been like reading quite a lot about it and it looks pretty interesting. So that's kind of like uh, something that is taking a little bit uh, a way of like attention from poker. Like uh, history, history is very dear to me, you know? So like combining like all like, like, as I said, my personal project is poker, but like combining the historical moment that we could be potentially living because of the blockchain and how like the whole like uh, Corona, uh, the COVID like pandemic is like pushing uh, digital, the digital world so much, you know? Uh, I think this is really interesting. Uh, as a historian, like I can certainly see a, uh, a very big moment happening at the uh, uh, yeah like a big moment happening in history so i wouldn't know i don't know if it's a project but it's something that is like and if it's dear to my heart i mean dear to my heart is poker you know like this has been my life and i love poker you know but uh, a project that i can see myself like investigating maybe yeah yeah uh blockchain is fast i mean the changing of money like monetary systems have been around forever and taking it digital and sort of trying to disrupt the monetary system of the world. I mean, that is fascinating, no matter who mm -hmm. you are. I mean, it, it should be because like, it represents a potential giant shift in world economy. Yeah, yeah. And not only the economy, you know, like a lot of sectors, sectors of society and like how the technology is working on everything. Like, yeah, I mean, I know like, yeah, I like, I, I just think like the technology of blockchain, like is something really interesting. Like, oh, let's see, it could be something huge, you know, like historically. So, yeah. Absolutely. We, we live in a crazy time. I mean, just yeah. historically speaking, like how quickly things are changing from decade to decade is just really insane. I mean, the world that exists today, like my daughters, would they get to be 10 years older, like it's going to be a different world. And that's just yeah. the nature of the beast in today's day and age. Yeah, crazy. Um, well, Anna, it's been great having you on the show. The time has flown by. I certainly want to have you back for round two. And Whenever. Mm -hmm. And uh, to end the show, I will ask where can the Chasing Poker Greatness audience find more about you on the World Wide Web? I guess you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> Anna Marquez Poker <laughs> or in Twitter uh, Anna Marquez I forgot what's my Twitter <laughs> I don't know yeah find me on Twitter find me on Instagram I'm around there sometimes uh, and yeah uh, you probably see me in the poker tables at some point <laughs> at some point in the near future um, well best at of luck to point, you yeah 
thank you very much for your thank time you. and your energy. I'm very grateful. And yeah, we'll, we'll do a round two very soon. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been really cool. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.